I had to shave my playoff beard. Damn it. So who's ready for playoff predictions from a 12-year-old? What's happening, everybody? I assure you, I am Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Round one has come and gone, and holy cow, are you not entertained? My team lost, and I'm entertained. What felt like every single bloody game went into overtime, couple went into double overtime, exciting finishes left, right, and center. And as far as the predictions went, you know what? They could have been better, but they could have been a lot worse, too. Overall, in round one, I went five and three. I correctly predicted series wins for Washington, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Anaheim, and Edmonton. I missed series wins from Ottawa, the Rangers, as well as Nashville. So, you know what? Five and three could have been a lot better, probably should have been better, but you know what? Could have been a lot worse. It's above 500. It's on the happy side of par. Eight is the magic number of correct series picks to at least be 500 in making picks. So just keep that in mind as you're making your picks as well at home. Five and three in round one. Five and three so far overall for the playoffs. Luckily, the series wins that we did get set up some really excellent matchups here in round two. In the Eastern Conference, we got Washington playing host to Pittsburgh, an all-metropolitan division battle. We've got the Ottawa Senators being the lone surviving team from the Atlantic Division, playing host to the top wildcard team, the New York Rangers, who again, knocked out my Canadians. And on the west side of things, we've got Central Division St. Louis playing host to Nashville, and we've got Anaheim taking on Edmonton playing host to them in an all-Pacific Division matchup. we got some excellent rounds here, excellent series here in the second round, and let's take a look at some predictions. Though, before we get into it, how did you do in round one? Let me know in the comments section below how your picks did in round one. You know what, the round one video we started in the Eastern Conference, why don't we start in the Western Conference this time? We'll start with that Central Division matchup, why not? The Central Division number three, St. Louis Blues, who pulled the upset over the Minnesota Wild, which I told you they would, in the first round, playing host to the second wildcard team, the surprise of these playoffs, the Nashville Predators, who swept the Chicago Blackhawks right out of town, Chicago doing the one thing that I said they couldn't do if they wanted to win this series, which was go into it expecting like they deserved to win. It's all on paper until you do it on the ice. Chicago didn't do it on the ice. Three goals in four games. So we've got the St. Louis Blues 4-1 and one in these playoffs, 2.2 goals scored per game versus 1.6 goals allowed per game, taking on the Nashville Predators, obviously, who are 4-0, and oh, have not lost, 3.25 goals per game in that series against Chicago, so their scorer is definitely getting it done, and .75, that's ridiculous, .75 goals against per game, three goals allowed in four games for Pekarene, playing his absolute best hockey of the season and arguably of his whole career. Nashville held the slight edge in the season series between these two teams, winning three of the five games and outscoring St. Louis by a clip of 15 to 11. As we talked about in the last video, Tarasenko, leading scorer for the Blues this year, 75 points, number 10 scorer in hockey. Victor Arvidsson leading the way for Nashville with 61 points. In these playoffs for St. Louis, Jaden Schwartz is leading the way. Two goals, three helpers for five points in five games. Point a game so far. Ryan Johansson 
is leading the way here for the Predators. A goal and five helpers for six points. He is tied for eighth in playoff scoring. Six points in four games. So same as last video, we're going to look at home and away, how they've been doing, including playoff success, last 10, all that stuff from the previous video. So let's do it. St. Louis at home versus Nashville on the road. St. Louis is going to be playing host in this series. They have home ice advantage. Including the playoffs, St. Louis now 25 and 18 on home ice this season. That includes one and one so far in these playoffs. Nashville on the road, despite going 2-0 on the road in the first round, obviously in the sweep against Chicago, they're still only 19-24 and on the road this season. Still not a great road team taking the season as a whole. In their last 10 games on home ice, St. Louis 7-3, definitely getting the job done. That includes playoff games and the tail end of the regular season, outscoring opponents by a clip of 30-22. to Nashville's side, they have improved things playing on the road, of course, boistered by those two road playoff games that were both victories, of course. Nashville 6-4 and four on the road in their last 10 games, outscoring opponents by a clip of 26-20. Shift the series over to Nashville, Predators at home versus Blues on the road. Predators 26-17 and 17 now in the friendly confines, and as we saw, Nashville is an incredibly difficult place to play hockey when that crowd is into it. When Nashville showed up, up to nothing on the Blackhawks, that place, I thought the foundation was going to crumble. It was so loud. And that's what this fan base is. Nashville is officially a hockey town. No one can say shit about Nashville. They are a hockey town full to the blood, full to the core. 100% and that's awesome for that franchise because the only way these franchises stay in traditional non-hockey markets is if the fan base gets behind it, if the fan base is rabid and the team finds success. Nashville is doing all of those things. Nashville at home, St. Louis on the road. Again, Nashville now 26 and 17 in Nashville. St. Louis now 25 and 19 on the road. They won all three games in Minnesota in round one. In their last 10 games at home, Nashville putting up an identical record to St. Louis's last 10 games at home, 7-3, outscoring them a little bit. They're outscoring their opponent 33-21. St. Louis on the road has still been dynamite, obviously, with three playoff wins now in Minnesota. Now 9-1 in their last 10 road games and outscoring opponents, almost doubling them up, 33-17. So the Blues definitely doing something great on the road. Biggest X factor here for the Blues, and it's probably going to be no surprise to you, it's Jake Allen. And I am making the statement right now. It's official. Jake Allen is a playoff performer. 17 games of playoff experience on his career. And on his career, Jake Allen has a sub 2.0 goals against average in playoff games. I think it's like 1.98, so it's right there. But that's still under two, and he's putting up a 9.28 save percentage. Jake Allen is officially a playoff performer. But will the offense, in turn, show up to support the great goaltending that they're getting from Jake Allen in the playoffs? You can't have a guy like Joel Edmondson, and this is no disrespect to Joel Edmondson whatsoever. I think he's a fine hockey player, bona fide NHLer. But you can't have, you can't expect, I should say, Joel Edmondson to keep shooting 40%. That's what he is right now. He had two goals 
in that round one series against Minnesota on just five shots. So you can't expect a guy like Joel Edmondson to keep shooting at 40%. So it's got to be the big players for St. Louis. It's got to be your Tarasenko's. It's got to be your Jory Lateras, who I believe is a better player than he has showed in a lot of points this season. You've got to have your Colton Pareko's. You've got to have these guys step up. And Jaden Schwartz is doing his job. We talked about it. But you got to have these guys show up. you got to have these guys be the big performers on the offensive side to really support the great defensive effort and great goaltending effort that the Blues are getting. That's going to be a huge key to whether or not they win this series. On Nashville's side of things, in terms of X-Factors, you are doing yourself a disservice if you don't ask the question... Was Nashville that good, or was Chicago just that bad in the first round? You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't at least ask yourself the question. So, are the Predators really that good? Were they really just sandbagging the rest of the league, just get into the playoffs, and then boom, take off? Were they really that good, or did Chicago make Nashville look better than they actually were? How Pekka Rene follows up the performance that he put up in those four games against Chicago is really going to go a long way to determining whether or not that, you know, they were really that good or whether or not Chicago, you know, really kind of not handed them the series necessarily, but, you know, made them look better than they actually were. But what is really working for Nashville is that secondary scoring. In terms of players who scored multiple goals... In the Chicago series, you've got some familiar faces, obviously. Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, you would expect those guys to have multiple goals. But Colton Sissions, Roman Yossi, Kevin Fiala, like maybe you might think Roman Yossi on the back end. But Colton Sissions and Kevin Fiala, you would not expect those players to be players who have scored multiple goals in just a four-game stretch. So it's the balanced scoring, and we talked about it before Sorry, I had a little fumble there, and I had to think whether I was going to stop or not. But we talked about it before that, you know, for a team that did score a lot this season, for their leading scorer, Arvidsson, to only have, what was it, 61 points, I believe it was? So that is an indicator of balanced scoring, and Nashville kept true to that in the first round. I think they need to keep true to that in the second round if they want to have success against the Blues. Nashville winning that series was not a fluke. Nashville's not a bad team by any means. They are a good team, and I think they only got better by trading for P.K. Subban. This is a good team that is a borderline great team. But I do legitimately think Chicago went into that series underestimating them. And that's why they got curb stomped. I don't think the Blues are going to underestimate Nashville. I'm going to give the series to the Blues based on home ice. Again, Nashville still not a great road team, so I need to see them continue to play better on the road than they have throughout the entire season. I'm going to give the series to St. Louis. Official prediction, St. Louis-Nashville. I like the Blues in seven games. I think this series is 2-2 coming into Game 5. I think each team will have won a game on the road in those first four games. From that point, however, I think it's a home team series. St. Louis wins five, Nashville wins six back in the Music City, and it goes to St. Louis in Game 7. Jake Allen with a virtuoso performance in Game 7. St. Louis wins the series in seven games and moves on to the Western Conference Final. Let's go to the other Western Conference series now, that all-Pacific Division matchup, Anaheim 
playing host to the Edmonton Oilers. Anaheim in these playoffs, 4-0. They swept Calgary right out of town in the first round. 4-0, 3.5 goals scored per game, 2.25 goals allowed per game, taking on the Edmonton Oilers, 4-2 in the first round, but they did get outscored in that first round series. They're scoring two goals per game, giving up 2.33. And you might ask, how could Edmonton have won four out of six games and they were being outscored? Well, one of those losses was, what, 7 nothing. Slight edge here in the season series goes to the Edmonton Oilers. They won three of the five matchups and outscored Anaheim in those games 14-12. We talked about it in the last video, top scorers between these two teams. It was Getzlaff for Anaheim and McDavid for Edmonton. Getzlaff, 73 points on the season. McDavid, top scorer in the NHL, only player to hit triple digits in terms of scoring. In playoff scoring, that has held true. Ryan Getzlaff leading the way for Anaheim, three goals, two helpers for five points. McDavid leading the way for Edmonton, he's only got two and two for four points. By virtue of the fact that they swept the series against Calgary, Anaheim, of course, was 2-0 and oh at home in the first round that improves their home record to 31 and 12 one of the best home records in the nhl so far this season edmonton on the road they went two and one in the first round in san jose to mean they are 24 and 20 on the road overall on the season last 10 games anaheim has been almost untouchable at home nine and one in their last 10 games in the friendly confines in Anaheim, nearly doubling up opponents in scoring, outscoring them 33-17. to 17. Edmonton on the road, they're doing their job for the most part. They're 6-4 in their last 10 games on the road. They are, however, being outscored in those games just by a single goal, 31-32. to 32. Moving the series to Edmonton now, Edmonton went 2-1 and one at home in the first round against San Jose. That means they are 27-17. and 17. In the province of Alberta, well, sorry, I shouldn't say in the province of Alberta because there were games in Calgary, but in Edmonton this season, they are now 27 and 17. Anaheim, of course, with their sweep, they went 2 and 0 on the road. They're still only 19 and 24 on the road overall on the season. In their last 10 games at home, Edmonton has been just as untouchable as Anaheim has been. 9 and 1 in their last 10 games, including playoffs, at home. Outscoring opponents, they are doubling up their scoring on opponents 29-14. to 14. Incredible performances, Camp Talbot and the Edmonton Oilers, only allowing 1.4 goals against per game in the last 10 games at home. Pretty incredible stuff. The Ducks on the road, 6-4 in their last 10, so they have kind of turned it around like the Predators who we just talked about. Outscoring opponents by a slim margin, but still outscoring them 28-26. to 26. Big X factor here for Anaheim, I think, is going to be what the results of those first two games are in this series. Depending on the results of those games, it may become absolutely critical to at least win one of games three or four in Edmonton. If Anaheim does drop one of those first two games at home, they have to come back to Anaheim in game five with this series tied at two at the very least. So they need to win one of those games in Edmonton, depending on how the first two games go. What I think is also important for Anaheim is a constant barrage of shots at Cam Talbot. And the reason that I say that, I mean, it always goes without saying, I suppose they need to get a lot of shots in order to score and win hockey games. But the reason that I'm saying that is Cam Talbot has played a ton of hockey this season. Entering game one of this series, that will be Cam Talbot's 80th game. 
that he has played this season. That's a ton of hockey. That is far and away the most hockey that he has played at the professional level in his career. Fatigue is a thing. Fatigue is something that could very easily set in on Cam Talbot, and he could falter simply because, again, it's far and away the most he's ever played in the run of a single season. I think last year he played 50-some games. Well, I mean, this is 80. This is going to be 80 in game one of this series. It's going to go at least a minimum of 84, assuming he doesn't get injured. So that's a lot of hockey. And for a relatively young player or a relatively inexperienced player with playing that kind of volume, could very well play a role. Anaheim needs to really pressure that and see if Cam Talbot is going to crack under the fatigue. Biggest X factor here for Edmonton, I alluded to it when I was talking about Anaheim. It is imperative that Edmonton steals one of those first two games in Anaheim. Doesn't matter if it's game one or game two. If Edmonton can do that, I think they're gonna be in incredible shape here, but it is imperative that they do that and steal one of those first two games to plant that seed of doubt in the Anaheim Ducks' heads. If they can do that, I think they're gonna be in great shape here. But something else that you need to watch out for if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan or player. That seven-goal loss, we're going to go back to that seven-goal loss in the first round against San Jose. That seven-goal loss to me showed that there are still those shades of instability in the Edmonton Oilers. And if that's still going to exist, a team like Anaheim is going to pound that and take advantage of it. They're too good of a team for that kind of instability to still exist and still be there in your game. So Edmonton needs to figure that out. They need to figure out how to not fall victim to that again. And look, Edmonton's been bad for a long time. You can ask their fan base, ask G Hall. They've been bad for a long time. They're not bad anymore. Edmonton is a good hockey, like Toronto, Edmonton's a good hockey team now, but there are still those shades of it that are still there, still kind of lingering, certainly not a complete team. If that's still there, the Anaheim Ducks are gonna find it and they're gonna exploit it and the series could be over early. This was a great season for the Canadian teams. Five of them made the playoffs. Only two of them survived to the second round in the Western Conference, at least, I don't think a Canadian team survives to the Western Conference final. Official prediction for Anaheim-Edmonton. I'm going to take the Anaheim Ducks to win this series in six games. I think the series is 2-2 again after four games, but I think it's a home team series right up until when the series ends. I think the home teams win the first five games of this series, Anaheim taking games one, two, and five, Edmonton taking three and four. Game six in Edmonton, I just think after six games, again, Camp Talbot is going to be going into game number 86, and that's just so much work. I think Anaheim's ultimately, the longer the series goes, the more I think it benefits the Anaheim Ducks. They're going to find a way. I think Anaheim wins that game in game six in Edmonton, and Anaheim wins the series in six games to go to the Western Conference Final, setting up a Western Conference Final of St. Louis taking on Anaheim. All right, kids, let's go to the East and let's talk about that Ottawa-New York Rangers series before we get into the real main event, really, which is Pittsburgh and Washington. So, Ottawa and the New York Rangers, the number two team in the Atlantic Division, taking on the number one wildcard team. 
Ottawa 4-2 in these playoffs, a six-game series victory over the Boston Bruins. Ottawa closing that out in Boston in overtime. Big goal from Clark MacArthur. And it just makes the hockey fans' heart feel good that it was Clark MacArthur that scored that goal. Ottawa 4-2, 2.5 goals scored per game, 2.17 goals allowed. A very good first-round series for Craig Anderson and the Ottawa defense. The New York Rangers 4-2, again, six-game victory over Montreal, winning that series in Game 6 at home, beating Montreal. Uh, 2.33 goals scored per game, 1.83 goals allowed. Henrik Lundqvist, dear God, the king is back. As these two teams are not division rivals, they only played each other three times this season. Ottawa holding a slim edge, winning two of those three games and outscoring the Rangers 8-5. Top scorer for the Senators, obviously you guessed it, Eric Carlson. Another incredible season, 71 points, 17 of those points being goals. Mats Zuccarello leading the way for the Rangers in the regular season with just 59 points. In these playoffs, Derek Brassard has stepped up, become the leading scorer for the Senators, in the first round, two goals, six helpers for eight points. He is tied for second in playoff scoring behind only somebody that we're going to talk about in the next uh, in the next series. Mika Zibanejad stepping up and being the top performer for the Rangers in the first round against Montreal. A goal and three helpers for four points. When we talked about the Ottawa-Boston series, I told you Ottawa is susceptible to losing games at home. That did hold true in the first round, they lost two of the three games that were played in Ottawa. Only one and two at home in these playoffs means Ottawa's only 23 and 21 on the, what is apparently not so friendly uh, confines of their own building. Only 23 and 21. Rangers went two and one on the road in the first round, which means they improved their road record to what I think has to be an NHL best, 29 and 15, on the road so far this season. In the last 10 games, Ottawa is only playing 500 hockey on their home ice, five and five. They are outscoring opponents 22 to 19, but they're winning only as much as they're losing. The Rangers, their last 10 games on the road, not great despite having that great record. They're only four and six, being outscored by their opponents 24 to 27. Rangers did win two of the three games in Madison Square Garden in the first round, improving their home record to the same home record that Ottawa has, a pretty mediocre 23-21. and 21. So home ice may not really be that big of a deal in this series on either side because they haven't really found great success in their own home buildings. Ottawa on the road, a perfect 3-0. They won all three games in Boston. And I said Boston needed to do the exact opposite of that if they wanted any chance to win the series. They had to hold serve in Boston. They lost all three games on home ice. Ottawa improving their road record on the season to 25-19. and In their last 10 games in this situation, New York at home, Ottawa on the road, they are both only four and six, and they are both being outscored by their opponents. The Rangers keeping the number closer. The Rangers being outscored 24 to 26. The Senators being outscored in their last 10 games on the road, 21 to 28. And that includes those three wins against Boston. And no burying the lead. That's where we go right into it for Ottawa's biggest X factor in this series. They cannot allow themselves to keep depending on these great road performances 
and to keep struggling at home. If there is very little home ice advantage on either side of this series, Ottawa needs to make sure that that home ice advantage is theirs. They need to be the one that grabs the bull by the horns. They have home ice advantage in this series. They need to use it. Now is the time, if it's gonna happen, it's gotta happen now. The Rangers may be the best road team in hockey. It's going to be difficult in order to do that for the Senators, but those games in Ottawa are 100% absolutely must win games. Biggest X factor for the Rangers, no shock here, it's Henrik Lundqvist who at 35 years old is turning back the clock and turning in a signature virtuoso performance. He did that in the first round, absolutely stifled Montreal, who again, really on the offensive side, it, it, it's a little tangent, but on the offensive side, man, they didn't show up to play. Radulov, and, and there were flashes from other people, but really Radulov was the only dangerous player that Montreal had in the entire series on the offensive side. But... None, taking nothing away from Lundqvist because when somebody else did get an opportunity, bam, Lundqvist was right there. He shut the door. Turning in again. One of the signature performances of his career. Now do it again. And that's and that's it. That, that's, that's where it begins and ends for the Rangers. If Lundqvist can do that again, Ottawa's done. You know how I said no Canadian team was going to make the Western Conference Final? Uh, no Canadian team's going to make the Eastern Conference final either. Official prediction for Rangers and Ottawa Senators. I like the Rangers to win this series, and I like them to win it in six games. I think this is 2-2 after four. Each team going to get a win on the road in those first four games. I like the Rangers to come up big and win game five and to take it back to game six in their home building, and the Rangers close it out in game six. I like the Rangers to go to the Eastern Conference Final. And here we go folks, main event time, that last matchup here in the East, the all Metropolitan Division matchup, Met 1 versus Met 2, the Washington Capitals playing host to the Pittsburgh Penguins, the series we all wanna see, Ovi versus Crosby part, is it three or four, something like that? Anyways, we lose count because we don't care how often we see it, we just wanna see it. Washington, I wanted to say beat the Maple Leafs. Washington survived the Maple Leafs in the first round in six games. Three goals per game exactly for Washington in that six-game series. 2.67 goals against Toronto right there with them the entire way in this series. Pittsburgh 4-1, and one, so they beat the Blue Jackets in five games. 4.2 goals scored per game. 2.6 goals allowed. Of course, with these two teams being division rivals, they played each other four times in the regular season. Season series was tied 2-2, but Washington held a big edge in the scoring, 21-13 in those four games, but it was only 2-2. In terms of both regular season scoring and playoff scoring, this is a battle of two top four scorers. In the regular season, it was Backstrom and Crosby. Backstrom, 86 points, number four scorer in the NHL. Crosby, 89 points, 44 goals, the number two scorer in hockey this season. In terms of the playoffs, TJ Oshie leading the way for the Washington Capitals. Three goals, four helpers for seven points. He is tied for fourth in playoff scoring. And then there's the guy that's number one. And it's not Sidney Crosby, it's Evgeny Malkin. Two goals, nine helpers 
for 11 points in the first round in just five games. Malkin dominated the first round. The runaway early favorite, in my opinion, for the Conn Smythe. Up there with a guy like Pekka Rene or maybe even Jake Allen, depending on which of those two teams happens to get farther in the playoffs. But Evgeny Malkin, 11 points in just five games. He's the number one scoring player in these playoffs. Washington going 2-1 and one at home in the first round against Toronto, improving their home record to 34-10. and 10. We talked about Washington having the biggest home ice advantage in these playoffs in terms of having the best record. Pittsburgh, 1-1 one one on the road. Their only loss in their first round series against Columbus was a game that was in Columbus. They were 1-1. One one. Their road record sits at 20-23, and 23, so they did not get the job done as a whole on the road this season. In the last 10 games, Washington 7-3 at home, outscoring opponents 24-17, to 17, so that's a fairly comfortable clip there. Pittsburgh 4-6 in their last 10 road games, which basically holds true to their regular season pace, being outscored in those games 31-33. to 33. So those games in Washington are going to be very important for the Penguins. Pittsburgh went a perfect 3-0 at home in the first round against Columbus, which actually means that their home record improves to tie Washington's at 34-10 overall on the season. So these two teams with identical records in their own home buildings. Washington won two of the three games in Toronto in the first round, improving their road record to 25-19. In the last 10 games, Pittsburgh with an equal home record to Washington's home record in their last 10 home games. I mean, look at that. The records are evening out in general and just in terms of the last 10 games. So 7-3, and three, which was what Washington was as well. Pittsburgh outscoring opponents at home 35-25 to 25 high-scoring games in Pittsburgh in their last 10. Washington has really turned it on on the road. Eight wins in their last 10 road games for the Washington Capitals, outscoring opponents 38-29. to 29. And what that tells me is, oh boy, set your DVRs for those games in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh scoring a lot more at home, Washington scoring a lot more on the road. Those games are going to be fun. If you're gambling, take the over. Biggest X factor that I see here for Washington, and it seems like probably a pretty obvious one, how big of a chunk did Toronto take out of Washington in the first round. And look, I'm not a Leafs fan, I'm a Habs fan, but that series, and I said it on Twitter, watching that series was like candy for me. That was so much fun to watch Toronto and get a glimpse of what the Maple Leafs are going to be in maybe as few as two years. Next year, I think maybe it might be a little ambitious, but the next two, three years, that team's gonna be incredible incredible in the playoffs deep runs i said it on twitter a little while ago in the next five years i'm not going to be shocked one little bit to see the edmonton oilers and the toronto maple leafs play for the stanley cup and in five years when hopefully that happens feel free to come back to this video and tell me that i was right because i, I truly believe in the next five years that's going to be your stanley cup final at some point and that would be would there be any better way to, to light Canada on fire than have an all-Canadian Stanley Cup final. Anyways, who knows? It could still happen this year. But again, I do have to ask how big of a chunk the Leafs did take out of a Washington team that is older, more experienced. Look, I don't expect Washington's going to be super fatigued, but it's worth pointing out that was a six-game series, 
Five of those six games went to overtime. One of those games went to double overtime. And Braden Holtby will be stepping into his 70th game in game one. That's a lot of work. It's not as much as Talbot, who we talked about earlier, but that is a lot of work for a single goaltender. Be stepping into his 70th game. That series was a long series, a hard-fought series. These are some of the best-conditioned athletes in the world, so fatigue, maybe we're overplaying fatigue a little bit, but it's worth asking the question, and it's worth pointing out, he's going to be walking into his 70th game in Game 1. Biggest X Factor here for Pittsburgh, I got a couple of them for you. You got to question whether or not Pittsburgh is going to be able to clobber two consecutive Vesna nominated goaltenders, because they did it to Sergei Bobrovsky, now they got to do it to Braden Holtby. Toronto did a pretty decent job of getting to Braden Holtby. 2.67 goals scored per game for the Leafs in that six-game series. So they did a decent job of getting to Braden Holtby. Pittsburgh scored 4.2 goals per game on Sergei Bobrovsky. I don't expect that trend to continue against Braden Holtby. But, I mean, look, Pittsburgh is really being thrown into the fire here as defending Stanley Cup champions, two consecutive Vezina-nominated goaltenders. So... It'll be interesting to see how their offense goes up against a goaltender like Braden Holtby. And the other thing I wanted to mention is Pittsburgh is the new Chicago. And here's what I mean by that. With Pittsburgh, certainly in the playoffs, it's the youth movement, man. And it, it, that's what happened last year. Brian Rust and Connor Sheary. They were both 23 years old last year's playoffs. Both of them got to double digits in points. They were key contributors to the Pittsburgh Penguins winning the Stanley Cup last year. This year, they're doing it again, and it's Jake Gensel. Five goals in five games against Columbus. That's part of where Evgeny Malkin got some of his points, some of those assists. But Jake Gensel, a goal a game so far in these playoffs. He is only, I believe, 23, 24 years old. It's the youth movement, man. It's these young players that Pittsburgh is taking and putting them in situations to succeed. And that's exactly what Chicago's done for the last 10 years. And they, as Steve Dangle would say, willy-nilly started a dynasty. And that's what Pittsburgh's doing. They're drafting the right players. They're putting them in positions to make them successful. And that's what they're doing with Jake Gensel. And he has been a big reason why the Pittsburgh were so successful. Why the Pittsburgh? Why the Penguins were so successful in round one. And why I think they're going to stay successful in round two. How successful do they stay in round two? Official prediction, Pittsburgh and Washington. I like the Penguins. It's maybe felt like Ovi's year. I still don't think, even with Kevin Shattenkirk, don't think it's going to happen. I like Pittsburgh to beat Washington in six games to go to their second consecutive Eastern Conference Final. I think this is 2-2 again after four, but I think it's a home team series right up until game five. Pittsburgh on Washington's home ice. In Game 5, they get the win in Game 5 to take it back to Pittsburgh in Game 6 with a chance to close out the series. I think they do that on the back of Marc-Andre Fleury. Again, Matt Murray's not skating yet. He ain't going to be back for this series. They know it's going to be Marc-Andre Fleury. I think Marc-Andre Fleury ultimately shuts the door on Washington. Maybe there is some fatigue there that's lingering over. From the Toronto series, five overtime games, basically six overtime periods. It's like playing two extra games. So I think that will come into play. I think at some point, Washington's going to run out of gas. I don't think Pittsburgh is. 
I'm going to take the Penguins to go to the Eastern Conference Final and set up an Eastern Conference Finals matchup with division rival New York Rangers. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the round two predictions. We'll go over them here for you one more time. We'll start in the Western Conference like we did at the beginning of the video. St. Louis taking on Nashville. I like St. Louis to win that series in seven games. Anaheim playing host to Edmonton. I like the Ducks to win that series in six. Go back to the Eastern Conference. We've got Washington and Pittsburgh. As I just mentioned, I like the Penguins to win that series in six games to go to the Eastern Conference Final. And in Ottawa, New York Rangers, I like the underdog Rangers to beat Ottawa. I like them to beat them in six games to go on to the Eastern Conference Final to take on Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Rangers, Anaheim, and St. Louis. That is what I think the Eastern and Western Conference Finals are going to look like. What do you think the Eastern and Western Conference Final is going to look like? Let me know in the comments section below. Comments, queries, theories, everything. As always, put it in the comments section below. I love reading it. I try to respond to pretty well everybody who makes a comment. That's it for me, Justin. Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube. Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Enjoy round two. If it was half as entertaining as round one was, we're in for some excellent hockey. We are spoiled as hockey fans. And don't forget, coming up very soon, you got to start thinking about the expansion draft. And we might have a little something for you. Stay tuned.